God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, that on this day we can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I thank you for all that have come in this room today, Lord, those that are still coming, everyone that will come over these next few hours, God. And we invite you to do your work in our lives today. I know the tendency for us would be to rush through this next week and maybe look forward to Christmas and then to get on by and to get on with our lives. But we don't want to do that. We want to stop here today and make sure that we're reminded of how important, how awesome uh, this message of Christmas is, that Jesus Christ came to this world, uh, that we could be rescued from sin. Uh, be with us today, uh, God, in everything that we do in all of our worship. May you be glorified. And we pray this now in the awesome, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you go ahead and have a seat where you are? Uh, we are so glad to have you here with us today. Uh, my name is Paul Muma. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Church. And if this is your first time, a special welcome to you today. We're we're really glad to have you here with us. When you came in this morning, you should have received a worship program. Uh, maybe you call it a bulletin. We call it a bulletin too. But I uh, hope you'll take some time to read through that a little bit more about what's happening here at Genesis Church. Uh, you'll find that there's a connection card there in the worship program. Uh, I hope that you'll maybe take a minute to fill that out today if you're, especially you are new. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and you can drop it in the offering bag in just a moment. Uh, if you can do it that quickly or after the service, uh, take it outside these doors to our info hub counter. And we'd love to give you a gift just to say thanks for being here today. And we've got plenty of people there that would love to tell you more about Genesis Church. Hey, we celebrate Omar Rodriguez uh, was the master chef aboard a U.S. aircraft carrier. Uh, he was in charge of 400 sailors and making sure that they were fed three meals a day. Now, I know that some of you are getting really stressed out about cooking Christmas dinner at your house uh, this Christmas, but, but try that on for size. Uh, on one particular trip, uh, this U.S. aircraft carrier was bound for Australian waters, and this ship was scheduled to be at sea over Christmas Day. And not wanting his team to miss Christmas, uh, this master chef, Rodriguez, was, was ready. And so prior to leaving, he ordered all of the special provisions, all of the special and appropriate Christmas trimmings. And when the day came, uh, Rodriguez and his staff worked around the clock, worked extra hard to make sure that this evening, this particular Christmas meal would be just right. And at 4.45 p.m., the turkey was done, the uh, uh, rolls were hot and coming out of the oven, the apple pies were, were, were finished, but there was one problem. Uh, someone pointed out that at exactly 4.48 p.m. that this particular ship, this U.S. aircraft carrier, had crossed the international date line. And it turned out that Christmas dinner was not going to be Christmas dinner after all. That in reality, and to be precise, it was a day late. And so with all of this extra hard work, uh, with all of this hustle, with all of this busyness, what was supposed to be a traditional Christmas feast on this particular ship really turned out to be a December 26th meal. That all of that work, all of that busyness, and this crew, in reality, had missed out on Christmas. Now, cute little story, funny little story to begin with today, but, but look at it like this. Do you ever feel like that you work so hard in getting yourself ready for Christmas? That you work and you work and you work and, and you put yourself out to meet all of the demands of Christmas, whether it be the shopping, uh, the family traditions, the parties, the Christmas cards, everything. You go and you go and you go. You work and you work and you work. And then Christmas comes and it just goes in a flash. And before you know it, it's December the 26th. 
I mean, you were ready with the anticipation. You were in it for all of the preparation. But Christmas, it comes and it goes in a flash. And you look back and you wonder, where did it all go? I mean, you know, ever since Thanksgiving, we, we worked and we worked and, and, and we pushed and we pushed and we did everything. But somehow December 26 arrives and you're like, I feel like I missed something. You know, even in all this anticipation, even in all this preparation, I missed out on something that I was supposed to see. And, but without any notice, it comes and it goes. And before you know it, it's December the 26th. And all you're left with is some leftovers and pretty worn out. And you're just simply looking ahead to another year wondering what comes next. I mean, it's no surprise that many of us, we miss Christmas. To a certain degree, we really miss the true point, the true meaning of Christmas, especially when you think about all of the chaos that goes into or surrounds this time of the year. Now, calling it chaos isn't really an exaggeration. I mean, think about all that goes into Christmas. I mean, in one month, in one month, we send like a Christmas card or a Christmas letter to everybody we've ever met in our life. And we make sure that that gets done. Uh, in one month, you make like a bajillion Christmas cookies and you deliver them to neighbors and coworkers. Uh, in one month, you go to more parties, you go to more events than you go to in any other month combined throughout the rest of the year. You know, during this one month, you make more trips to Walmart and to Meyer and to Hamilton Town Center and, and the mall. And therefore, you spend more time in traffic jams, more time than any of us, our sanity could possibly take or bear. You know, and then we buy presents for everyone that we love and even people we don't really like, you know, and so chaos might be putting it lightly. And don't worry, it's not over yet. I mean, let me just see a show of hands. I mean, how many of you still have a Christmas gift to buy sometime this week? All right, lots of hands going up around the room. Okay, how many of you have not even started your Christmas shopping yet? Come on, be honest. All right, we've got some people. All right, mostly men. I see hands going up around the room. Uh, how, how many of you have gifts to wrap? Any, anybody got some gifts to wrap this week? I'm awful uh, gift wrapper. How, how many of you have a big meal to prepare this week? You know, or uh, you know, some big entrees for the the event that you're going to. How many of you are already thinking about the diet that you're starting on January the second? Anybody? Any of those around the room? Okay, plenty of that. You know, Christmas can be pretty chaotic. You know, it, it, it can be pretty crazy. Now contrast that with the first Christmas. And just take a browse through some of the Christmas cards that you received over the last few weeks. You know, especially the ones that depict Christmas night 2,000 years ago. I mean, what type of scenery do you see? You know, it usually is this really peaceful event. You see the stable and there are the donkeys and the cows and the babies in the manger. And maybe there are some cute little mice running around underneath the manger. I mean, when, are, when have mice ever been a good thing? You know, especially in a delivery room for a child. And, and you know the song, Silent Night, Holy Night, All Is calm, all is bright. Was it really that calm? I mean, let's be honest. If you read the Christmas story, if you understand the context of what was going on in Israel at this time, it was really anything but calm. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along on the screens with us. It says this, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And so the census required, it came down from the very top from Rome, that everyone had to go back to their own home. I mean, the, the order required that you had to go to your birthplace. 
And that must have been pretty crazy. I mean, think about how many hometowns are represented even in this room today. All right, and suppose that this afternoon everyone was required to go back to their hometown. You could imagine how crazy it would be, how, how hectic it would be on the roads. Now, it's a little different here. Maybe not the same then, but it was crazy. Now, Joseph's home, well, as the scripture says, and, and you know the song, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Well, was it really still? It was everything but still. Now, Bethlehem was just this little town. It wasn't a big town, but it was hopping. I mean, and talk about economic stimulus with everybody coming back to their particular hometown. I mean, the motels were full, even the Motel 6 probably, and Bethlehem had a no vacancy sign up in it. And so Bethlehem was jammed full of people. And remember why everyone was making the trip. It was for a census. Now, a census meant one thing. It it was more than simply trying to figure out how many people were living at the time. A census meant taxes. It meant taxes. And so Bethlehem was a little chaotic. Well, it was chaotic for Mary and Joseph too. Now, they're always portrayed as this peaceful couple, right? You know, riding out under the night stars. They're on a donkey. You know, their robes are neatly ironed and and their heads are bowed and they're walking along enjoying this 70-mile trip across the desert on a donkey. Oh, and nine months pregnant. Now, ladies, would anyone be willing to say that that was a peaceful or a calm uh, event or a pleasant trip? You know, I remember when our oldest son, Joel, was born, we lived two blocks from the hospital. And when the contraction started, I couldn't get there quick enough. And of course, I hit every pothole and every little speed bump that was possibly, there possibly could be in that short two-block trip. So was it all calm? You know, was it all bright for Mary and Joseph? I think hardly. And what about the shepherds? Well, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were, what? Terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now skip over to verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, no doubt this was an awesome, life-changing, significant event for the shepherds, but I think a little frightening too. It probably took some time for their hearts to quit beating and quit pounding, wondering if they were going to be destroyed in this moment, to really understand and figure out what was going on here. And now they're off to Bethlehem. Chaotic for them? Yeah, who's watching the sheep? I mean, you think it's hard to find somebody to watch your dog when you go out of town for the weekend. Try finding somebody, you know, at this time of the night to come and, and to keep an eye on this herd of sheep. So it's a little chaotic for these guys. And then you've got the wise men too. You know, they're on this intellectual journey uh, pursuing this star. This is is no walk in the park. I mean, it was a long, difficult journey that included uh, an encounter with a hostile and paranoid king, a king by the name of, of Herod. And King Herod threatened to kill them as he reacted to the news of the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, do you get the picture? I mean, you get the picture here that this first Christmas in this tiny little town called Bethlehem, I mean, it was a zoo, you know, and and the chaos was more than simply people, you know, working their way on the roads, trying to get back to their hometown for the census for this time of taxing. You know, there was political chaos too, you know, not only in Israel, but throughout the world. I mean, Bethlehem and all of the surrounding areas were under the rule of Rome. 
Uh, Rome ruled the, the world at this time, and, and the empire had made some great contributions to the world. They were responsible for water systems. They were responsible for putting all these roads in place. But how did they get it done? They got it done through heavy taxing, and they got it done through slave labor. And these were the conditions that the people of Israel were living under. And so the people of Israel not only were under the rule of Rome, but they had a local king as well. And again, he was a violent, he was a paranoid, hostile king. History shows that he executed a bunch of members of his own family. And if you remember from Scripture what happened after Jesus was born, he he ordered this genocide of all baby boys in Israel. There was financial chaos too. I mean, remember, this is a census that is taking place, and the key word here is taxes. Some scholars say that the Jews were taxed at almost 90% of their income. That doesn't make our situation look too shabby. You know, and there was spiritual chaos in the land too. The Roman emperor was not only the head of state politically and militarily, but Rome believed that the Caesar, that the emperor was divine. I mean, he was crazy enough to believe that he was God and ordered people to bow down to him. And so all of this turbulence, all of this craziness, all of this chaos, I mean, the world... You know, at at the turn uh, of the the calendar to A.D. here, you know, all of this tension. I mean, the world had really become a chaotic mess. And then when the time was just right, the God of heaven, he looked down and he saw it all. He looked down from heaven. You know, he saw the chaos firsthand. He saw the darkness. He saw the impact that evil had had on the entire world. And that he knew then that it was the perfect moment, the perfect time, the perfect opportunity to send Jesus. It was just the right moment to send Jesus. I mean, someone had to right the wrong. Someone had to redeem the chaotic mess that had been made of creation. God's answer to the problem of this world was Jesus. And so he sent Jesus Christ to the world. That Jesus willingly gave up all that heaven had to offer in order to save the world from the chaos that was killing it. And what I want you to notice this morning, and this is in your notes, that Jesus was born in the middle of chaos. He he didn't come into a peaceful world. He came into a world of chaos. Now, we often look at Luke chapter 2 at Christmas time, but there's another chapter 2 in the Bible that I want to share with you today. It comes from Philippians chapter 2. And it's not just words, but it's actually an ancient hymn as well. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, follow along with me if you would for a few verses here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. It's talking about Jesus. This hymn says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of the Father. This is Jesus. These were the words that Paul, the Apostle Paul, copied down about Jesus. Now, can you even imagine? I mean, try and imagine for yourself, just a moment if you would, try and imagine what it must have been like to go from an all-powerful God in heaven to a baby who can't keep from drooling on himself. 
You know, one moment, you know, you're all powerful and the next moment you can't, uh, you can't keep from slobbering. One second you're omniscient and the next second you can't even talk. And that's what Jesus did for us. He willingly became a slave. He willingly became a servant. He willingly became a baby. And serve in this chaotic world he did for us. I mean, he went from the manger to the cross to the grave. He is the perfect picture of absolute love. And here's what I want you to see and here's what I want you to understand this morning. To notice that God didn't deal with the chaos taking place in Bethlehem or Israel or Rome for that matter. He didn't deal with the chaos of the world by deleting it. He dealt with the chaos of the world by entering into it. He put himself right in the middle of it. He, he dealt with this chaos by, by entering into it. He didn't wipe it away. He didn't cancel it out. He didn't make all of the problems disappear. He stepped right into it. He entered it. He, he showed us what love looks like. He, he put feet on love. He, he showed us what it looks like to live in the middle of chaos. And through it all, Jesus remained completely and absolutely obedient and dependent on God. And the result is that the one who humbled himself in the manger and on the cross has been exalted today as the one who conquered the chaos of the world. And he didn't use a sword and he didn't use military might. He didn't use political strength. He did it all with humility, with obedience, and with love. Now, what does that have to do with you and me today? Because uh, there is a tie-in. You know, like people living in Israel 2,000 years ago, uh, I'd say that most of us have at least some measure of chaos going on or taking place in our life today. Right? Wouldn't that be fair to say? I mean, for some of you right now, that chaos is directional. Uh, it, it's a purpose issue. It's a significance issue. And you're just trying to figure out where you go from here. And maybe you've just started a job. Maybe you've been in a job for 20 years. And you're just kind of wondering what comes next for you. You're trying to make sense out of your life. You're trying to make sense out of your particular situation. And so you're restless with life in general. And it might be your job, but it might not be your job. Uh, you know, you, you just can't seem to figure out where to go from here or where to go after college or where to go after this internship is complete. And so maybe for you, the, the chaos is directional. Maybe for some of you, the chaos is physical. Uh, it's physical chaos right now. It has to do with your health. And it's a medical crisis. You know, the doctors don't have an answer for you. But for now, you're, you're in and out of bed. And today, you're out of bed. And that's the best that you can do, uh, depending on how you feel each day. And you're waiting for the medicine to work. You're waiting for that test result to come back. And hopefully, it will be positive or favorable. You're praying for the surgery to work. But for right now, for you, it's a physical chaos and you just simply wait. For some of you, it's financial chaos. It's been a really tough year or it's been a really tough couple of years. You know, there's been a loss of job or a change in income. The business hasn't gone quite as you planned. This new job isn't really working out. You're wondering if insurance is going to cover the damage that's been done in your life. How are you ever going to pay off the credit card bills, not only from Christmas, but just simply for the last 10 years and, and for the financial hole that you find yourself in because it's a little overwhelming to you. For some, it's relational chaos. You know, and for you, that relational chaos is all about a broken friendship or a strained relationship with a family member. Or you and your kid just can't seem to see eye to eye right now on the issues. You know, and it always hurts this time of year. 
uh, especially if you lost a loved one in the last few months, or maybe you lost them 10 years ago, but it doesn't matter just because you know that they're not going to be there this year. Some of you have thought this in your heart. You know, I'll I'll get through the holidays. I'll get through Christmas. I I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but when we get through all of this, the marriage might be done. I don't really know if I can take it any longer. And understandably, when it comes to looking at the chaos of our lives and the chaos and people that we love and the things that are happening around us and and when we see and feel uncertainty and, and we feel the weight of anxiety, isn't it just fair to say that we wish that God would take it all away? I've been there. We just wish that God would take it all away. And sometimes He does, but most of the time He doesn't. He doesn't just take it away. But here's the good news. What God did that first Christmas, I promise that He's willing to do in your life today. Because God didn't fix the problem or deal with the chaos of the world by deleting it. He dealt with the chaos of the world by entering into it. And I can't promise you that God is willing to come in and just eliminate or delete some of the chaos or the problems that you're facing right now. But I can promise you this, that if you let him, he will come into your life and he'll walk with you through it. I mean, what he was willing to do 2,000 years ago, he is still willing to do today. He's willing to meet you in that chaos. He's willing to meet you in that chaos. And he is ready to say to you today, I'll be with you in it. I'll see you through. You know, friends, I don't know what your story is. I, I don't know what you know, this past year looks like for you. I don't know what you're walking through right now. But here's what I do know. The chaos that you're enduring right now, it can hurt you. But it doesn't have to defeat you. And, and for some of you today, I mean, maybe today, maybe this Christmas is really a time of restart for you. Because maybe you've lost focus or, or you lost sight in Jesus and He he has promised to serve you. Uh, He has promised to love you. Uh, He has promised to give you the support and the strength that you need, but you've been trying to do it all on your own. And you're kind of stuck in this reality this morning that Christmas is going to race right on by and you're going to miss the true point of it as a great reminder of what God has made available to us today. And so maybe for you this is a restarting point. Maybe for some of you today this is a returning point. And you didn't even know and realize that you were going to be here today, but you've wandered, you've run so far right now from God and and from your faith, maybe from your church or from friends or from family. And again, you didn't even expect to be here today, but for whatever reason, it just seemed right to be here. And now that you're here, you get it. You realize that you've been running, you realize that you've been wandering, and today can be a um, kind of a re-entry point, a returning point for you. And for others, you know, maybe this Christmas is your starting point. But all they seem for, and again, it got on you to tell he did thousands of years where life. And you can't explain it, but now more than ever, you're realizing that I need Jesus. You need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? And let's pray. God, we pray today that that we can experience Jesus. Everything about Him, the truth of Him. And not only for today, but for this Christmas and 
for every day of our lives. And as we are praying today, as you're praying today, I, I just hope that we can be honest for just a moment. I mean, many of you here today and, and you're believers and you've been a part of this church or another church for a while, and, but you know and you realize that you've just been so busy. You've been drowning in the chaos. And, and when this happens, when life happens, when, when the events and circumstances of this world overcome us, it's so easy. It's our tendency to take our eyes off of Jesus. If that's you, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. If that's you today, you know, just be honest. You know, lift your hands up right where you are right now. No one's looking around just saying, I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and I want to get my eyes back on him today. That hand. Here's what I want you to do right now where you are to just see Jesus. Uh, right now in your own space, you can talk to him all on your own. Or you could pray something like this Jesus, I have been so far from you. I'm coming back this morning. I want to worship you. Forgive me for taking my eyes off of you. I want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate you, Lord. Not only today, but in the days to come. And as we continue praying with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, there are those of you here this morning that recognize that Jesus Christ is not leading your life right now. He's not the Lord of your life, but He's knocking and He wants in. And the good news for you today is this, and don't miss this, that God loved you so much. He loved you so much that He sent His only Son, He sent Jesus Christ into this world to die on a cross, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And this is good news. You see, God wants to give you a gift today. He wants to give you a gift today. He wants to give you the gift of Jesus. And you can't earn it. Uh, you can't work for it. None of us deserves it. It's a free gift. It's the gift of eternal life. It's a gift that comes only by grace through faith. And so my question for you this morning is, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, do you want to invite Jesus into the chaos of your life today? Do you want to be changed forever? Now you can do that right here this morning in this room. It, it'll change your life forever. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. And you can do that today right in your own seat. There's no one looking around, so you don't have to worry about what anyone else is thinking. You don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself today but you can invite Jesus into the chaos of your life and He will come in and be the Lord of your life and He will forgive you. If that's you and you feel God drawing you to Himself today and you've never done that before, just wherever you are so that I can see you and pray for you, we just, just put your hand up in the air right now so that I can pray for you right now to invite Jesus Christ into your life today. Don't be ashamed in that. If God's drawing you to Himself right now, just, just do that. Just raise your hand up and pray this prayer with me. You can pray it silently wherever you are. Heavenly Father, come into the chaos of my life today. Save me from my sin. I believe Jesus died for me so that I could live for you. Take all of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate the work of Jesus and all that he's made available to us today?